0: Again, the scripture reading is from 1 Peter 4, 7-11, says, The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift Happy to be able to join you uh, today, and it's a little bit different format, but uh, very excited to to be with you today and share share something that that's been on my heart. Uh, but as we uh, as we start, let's let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, you are a good good God. We thank you uh, for for your sovereignty. We thank you for your consistency, Lord. We thank you that your love for us is steadfast, Lord. And we thank you that uh, we. We have your word to turn to and to rely on, Lord, uh, that it doesn't change, Lord, and, uh, and, and that you don't change, Lord. We thank you for that. Uh, in a world that is uh, chaotic and uncertain, Lord, you know, we need those things to rely upon, Lord, to, to anchor our, ourselves in. And we're just so thankful for that. And I pray, Lord, uh, that as we uh, navigate uh, together, Lord, that, that we would truly exhibit hope in the world around us pray right now that, uh, that you would use this time, um, that you would speak through me, that you would speak into the hearts of, of those that are listening, uh, and bring about uh, the things that you want for Cornerstone, the things that you want for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so, so um, back in December, I really appreciated um, both Jonathan and Andy's messages on, on success, Uh, And I wanted to build off of those a bit and uh, take a look at how at the individual level uh, we can position ourselves so that Cornerstone is is successful. How can you and I be the types of disciples that glorify God through Cornerstone? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Our passage today highlights uh, important practices that are powerful but not new prayer, love, hospitality, and exercising spiritual gifts. Now, each of these are, are big topics and, and would merit individual sermons or even a, a sermon series. Uh, but I wanted to, to highlight these because I think it, it works really well with with the messages we heard from Jonathan and Andy. Um, I want to highlight these and focus a little bit on, on spiritual gifts. It, And when I think about these four things, right, prayer, love, hospitality, and spiritual gifts, and I reflect on the three and a half years uh, that we've been at Cornerstone, I've been really blessed and encouraged by what I've seen in the way that these things are practiced at Cornerstone, uh, practiced by you. So thank you. Um, So I recognize what we do, what we have, but also want to challenge ourselves, right? Um, and so I hope you hear today, uh, to the words today, as a loving challenge to meet you uh, where you're at so that we can individually and collectively uh, get better and reflect our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, to the world around us in an even better way. And, and what I'm sharing, again, it's not new. These are not new concepts, right? Um, they're old truths, but sometimes we, we may take them for granted. Or, or consider that, uh, yeah, I've, I've got that. I know how to do that. I'm doing that already, right? Well, I just ask that that we all uh, consider how we're doing in those areas compared to uh, the expectations that God has for us. Okay. And that we be open to the movement of Holy Spirit in our lives in one or, or maybe multiple of these areas. Because I know that, you know, in preparing for the sermon and, and digging and digging and reflecting, uh, looking in the mirror, I, I know I have areas that I need to improve. Right? So I, I hope that you know, you'll you'll take the challenge today. Uh, that you'll hear it lovingly, and uh, in, in that you know, we can position ourselves to be successful for Cornerstone. So starting in, uh, in our passage today in, in uh, First Peter um, chapter four. In verse seven, it reads, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So Peter is calling uh, us to have a clear and focused prayer life. A clear and focused prayer life. I, I don't uh, want us to be distracted too much by the first part of the verse, the end of all things is near. Um but I'll touch on that briefly. So, so in multiple places throughout the New Testament, the writers talk about uh, Jesus's return being imminent. Okay, and the best way to, to understand that really is that in terms of the events of salvation history, Jesus's return is what happens next. Okay, so in, in terms of uh, the unfolding of God's story for creation, right, uh, the fall of man, how he has chosen a people to, to represent him and that build a covenant with him. Right? And, and how he's demonstrated through time that, that we as individuals are not capable of making things right with God, that we needed uh, someone to intermediate for us, someone to, to be a person uh, that could uh, go between us and God and that he chose his son, Jesus, uh, for that, for that reason. Um, And so, as as the story continues to unfold, Jesus comes, right? He walks where we walk. He experiences the things that we experience. God in the flesh comes down to experience what we experience. And then, uh, because of the gravity of the sin, of the wrongdoing of mankind from the beginning to the end, there's a tremendous price to be paid. There's a tremendous price to reconcile and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus paid a penalty for you and for me and for everyone that would come to him. Right. And that was a, a difficult moment. But it didn't, the story doesn't end there because Jesus did rise from the dead three days later. Jesus rose from the dead to give us hope that he could defeat death and that by him defeating death, we can live in confidence knowing that the craziness around us that are you know 80 years here on earth that's not the end of the story that there's something so much better because we'll be reunited with jesus christ in heaven uh, and so as as the story unfolds right the church spread after jesus's uh, rise from the dead he empowered the disciples empowered us with the holy spirit And now we wait for Jesus to return in judgment. In this time where we wait and we see the world uh, spinning deeper and deeper, we should have hope. Because we know, again, that this is not the end of the story. This is not the way things end. Things will be made right. It gives us so much hope. So, so that's what that first part of the verse means. I spent a little more time there than I anticipated, but I think it's, I think it's important. The end of all things is near. Uh, and so as we are in this intermediate time, right, waiting for Jesus to return, uh, Peter here tells us um, that our prayers should be focused during this time. Why? Why do we need to be concerned about our prayers being focused? It's because that our enemy is distracting the church. Our enemy is distracting you and me from a faithful and committed committed following of Jesus Christ. You know, if, if we're emotionally tossed back and forth by the news and the events around us, the Lord knows there's a tremendous amount going on uh, that, that should do that. Or if we try to, to dull the pain of the brokenness around us through too much drink or the balm of material goods, then we are distracted And our prayer life is not rooted and grounded in the reality and abundance of God. In Ephesians 6, when Paul is uh, is talking about the armor of God, he tells us that our enemies aren't each other. Our enemies aren't someone of a different allegiance, aren't someone of a different opinion, aren't someone in a different part of the world. Our enemies are something altogether. Ephesians 6:11 starts put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms we have an enemy that is seeking to separate us from God in talking of the armor of God Paul concludes by saying and pray in the spirit on all occasions With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You see, I think in the light of the battle that we face, I think our prayers for one another need to be more than for the infirmities we face, but for the battles we need to face to stay faithful. Now, I don't discourage praying for each other in sickness, because oftentimes our sickness is part of that battle. But let's pray, let's pray with clarity and focus for one another to remain faithful. All right. Uh, verse 8. Verse 8 reads, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Hmm. Love each other, Cornerstone. Above all. Because if we can't do that, if we can't love one another, then these other things won't matter. Chapter 13, uh, 1 Corinthians, is a very famous passage uh, that's often used in in weddings, in in wedding ceremonies, because of its beautiful description of love. You've probably heard it if it wasn't even in your own uh, ceremony. I'll read a few of the verses for you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 reads, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Really, really beautiful description. However, in context, and that's the way we're supposed to read our, our Bibles, right, in context. Understanding who wrote it, who it's to, what the, the text on either side is talking about in the context of that whole salvation story that we talked about before, the way we're supposed to read our Bible. Right? In context, chapter 13 is talking about relationships within the church, not marriage. Hmm. That's pretty challenging and pretty eye-opening. That the expectation for you and I to love one another that's that's been reserved for the tight, intimate bonds of marriage. Right? Or at least what we think. But when we consider 1 Corinthians 13 charge here, we're supposed to love one another that deeply. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now this doesn't mean that uh, you know a Disney story, a Disney love story conquers all. Right. That's, that's not what it's saying. I think what it's saying is it, it means that when people are living in communion and loving each other the way 1 Corinthians 13 instructs us, uh, then the chances of us sinning against one another is much less likely. And when we do, when we do, when we do fail uh, and sin against one another, then we aren't going to be quick to find fault. We aren't going to be holding a grudge but ready to forgive and move on. Love each other, cornerstone. Now, now let's face it. Proximity will bring conflict. I think Newlywed's going to attest to that, right? Um, the answer isn't to avoid proximity, rather, but to love one another like 1 Corinthians 13 says we should. And I know that I need God's grace here, right? Because uh, I need God's grace overflowing out of me in our lives. I think we could say the same, because love like that is difficult in our own strength. All right, so prayer, love. Uh, Verse 9 is, uh, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Love and hospitality are at the heart of living in community. Hospitality is not just coffee or tea and those little frozen quiches on on paper plates. Uh, It's joyfully, not begrudgingly, opening yourself up and your resources to others. Now that can be as simple as, as having someone over for dinner. That can be having someone stay with you that needs a place. That can be time together by the pool for a time of refreshment. But when we do that, we do open ourselves up to some risk. People can abuse generosity. We may not be thanked. We may lose some measure of control. We may lose significant time or independence in a situation. But if we only show hospitality when it's low risk or beneficial to us, then we're not demonstrating the kind of love that Jesus calls us to. So let's forget Southern hospitality. Let's think about Christian hospitality. But a little interesting uh, side note here, the word for hospitable, for hospitality here, uh, it can be broken down into two words, friend and stranger, right? So not only can hospitality enrich the community within the church, it can support the mission of the church in the world around us. All right. So now, so we talked about prayer. We talked about love and hospitality. So next, spiritual gifts. Okay. So verses 10 through 11 read, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And I wanted to include uh, 1 Corinthians twelve seven here as well. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is, is one of those uh, seminal passages on spiritual gifts, and I just wanted to take this one verse for the moment. It says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So some good stuff uh, in these in both of these passages, but I want to uh, bring out two points, first of all. So the context here is, is spiritual gifts. Right? So the manifestation of the Spirit, uh, the gift that, that Peter refers to, it's referring to the ways that Holy Spirit has empowered each believer. Each one of us has a spiritual gift. Students, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that's you too. I want to encourage you in that. You have a gift. Yes, you. You may not know what it is. It may be dusty from lack of use. It may be a little raw and uncomfortable because you're early in its use and development. But each believer in Jesus Christ has a spiritual gift. Now, this may be old news for for many of you, and some may be asking, what's a spiritual gift? Can you find that on Amazon? Uh, important and really big question. We'll come back to but no, not on Amazon. Uh, all right, so the next, next point that I wanted to highlight, it's for the common good and the glorification of God. It's for the common good and the glorification of God. So for the common good of whom, might you ask? Well, it's not your family. It's not your job your workplace. It's not school. It's not the global church. It's not a parachurch organization. It's here. Well, not our house, but Cornerstone. <laughs> it's the local church. You see, the, the New Testament letters, as we talked a little about this morning, uh, they weren't sent out as letters for personal devotion, right? So that the early believers could open their Bibles and read in the morning, right? That's That's not how these originated. But these letters were, were sent to individual churches and read aloud in the local church, whether that is specific to the audience of Corinth or Galatia or Ephesus, or the more general letter that, letters that Peter would send to the, the churches scattered uh, over a broader region. Now, now your gift may bear fruit in other places, which brings glory to God, and that's, that's amazing, that's great. And I'm not suggesting to say, don't do those things. Okay. But God's design for your gift is to first be, firstly be exercised in the local church for the benefit of the local church. And chances are, if you're listening, that's Cornerstone. You know, back in August, this notion of spiritual gifts and common good was really kind of just bouncing around and resounding in my head. And I, and I tried to articulate it to the elders, but it, it just seemed incomplete. It, it seemed to just not be very cohesive at the moment. So this message has been percolating for quite a while. Fast forward to a few weeks ago. Jonathan preached a, a sermon on, uh, on a successful what is a successful mission, and Andy on what is a successful church. Right. And, and it kind of came together for me listening to those two sermons. And so over the Christmas break, I, I kind of started to put uh, pen to paper, so to speak, and, and and this is where we are today. But what, I, what I'll propose for you is that God equips every church, even small ones, with everything they need to be successful. We don't need to look any further. That doesn't mean you don't have bigger ambitions or goals, but in terms of what we do, how we do it, we have everything we need right now. If you remember from Jonathan's sermon, the better way to uh, frame a successful mission is faithful mission. Being faithful to what God has called you to. And not focusing on success, but being faithful and rather leaving those results up to God. Uh, and I think when, when we faithfully exercise the gifts, the spiritual gifts that he's given us collectively, in the context of Cornerstone and lead the results to him, I think that'll be pretty successful. Otherwise, we we tend to be over-focused on metrics like uh, the three B's, right? Bottoms, budget, and buildings. And from Andy's message, if we strip away all the churchy stuff, what's left? What's central to church? It's worship, mission, community, and commitment. So again, my proposal to you today is that we have all the elements we need. God has equipped us with the spiritual gifts we need to do the work He wants us to do. We don't need more people. We don't need more staff. We don't need uh, more money in the bank. I do not believe that God uh, has things for us to do that He will not equip us to do or directly intervene and do Himself. And actually, the kind of cool thing is our spiritual gifts are are God intervening because we don't have any supernatural capacity on our own. The question then is, are we exercising those gifts? Are you exercising them within the context of Cornerstone? If so, thank you, thank you very much. If not, why not? If not, do you feel guilty yet? Because <laughs> that's not, not my goal, right? That's not the intent at all. Because God doesn't want us to operate out of a sense of guilt. Because when we do, actually it becomes self-focused, right? And we're working to address the guilt. Right, so God doesn't want us working out of guilt. But it should be done out of a love of God and a love for one another, the kind of love we spoke of earlier. It should be done out of a recognition of God's graciousness, of giving us a gift in the first place, of calling us to himself, of providing a means of salvation that we were lost and could not provide on our own. When you don't exercise your gifts, when I don't exercise the gifts God has given me, it's really inefficient and incomplete for the church and the kingdom. I don't have to tell you this. Right, Some things just don't get done. Or they get done by someone who isn't gifted in that area. Or they're done by someone who is burning out because they're already carrying many other responsibilities. You and your gift matter. Matters to Cornerstone. Matters to us as family. You have your gift for us and for the kingdom of God. Like Monica said, you can't play Uno by yourself. And if spiritual gifts are truly empowered by God, then when you are exercising those, there is a fulfillment and fruitfulness that is unparalleled. Because nothing comes close to being close with God. All right. Now I've had a chance to uh, travel to France a few times for work, and as part of uh, I worked for a French company, and, and part of the training there was to take some French classes. But my French was never very strong preschool level at best, right? Um, some would say my English isn't very strong either, um, especially when I'm back home in South Carolina. But uh, just wanted to share an experience there that I think it, it breaks down a little bit, but it's kind of a funny story, so bear with me. So the first time uh, I'm in France going to the grocery store, right, I go to the grocery store to pick up some things to have at the hotel room and anticipate bringing some, some goodies back home. Uh, and so the first time I'm there I'm walking through the grocery store and I've got one of those plastic baskets and I'm filling it up, filling it up, walking through the store, finding all kinds of great things Um, and I go through the checkout line and I I pay pay, pay the cashier and as as I'm paying the cashier I see plastic bags behind the the cashier and so I pay and I'm kind of waiting because I'm sitting there seeing all the stuff I just bought is staying on the counter. And so I'm a little confused and uh, kind of look at the cashier and she looks at the next customer in line. And I, and I asked in kind of that broken preschool uh, French uh, for a couple of bags. And this lady, she told me I had to pay for them, which I thought was pretty outrageous to begin with. Um, <laughs> but it was pretty clear I thought it was pretty clear. I didn't walk in with boxes. I didn't have bags hanging out of my pockets, right? I didn't have, I thought it was pretty clear that I didn't have a way to collect all those groceries and carry them out of the store. I thought she knew what I needed. And so I asked her why she didn't offer me a bag and she responded, you didn't ask. Again, she clearly had something, that would have helped me, and she knew what I needed. Now, each of us has something cornerstone needs. as part of God's plan for us. That God's kingdom needs, and He's given those. He's given us those things, those gifts for the common good. Don't hold on to your plastic bags. But some may be uh, a little unclear. What what are these spiritual gifts? And some may get uncomfortable when we start talking about spiritual gifts because it brings up topics like uh, that are controversial, like speaking in tongues and interpretations of tongues. But spiritual gifts are truly worth a deeper dive. And it's something I wish I had been exposed to earlier in my life. Um, There are several passages concerning spiritual gifts that we could point to. Uh, There are many resources. There are actually little evaluations and tests that you you can take. Uh, And it kind of highlights what your spiritual gifts may be. Those are pretty cool to do. Um, But I first want us each to recognize and appreciate that we have a gift, at least one. And we're supposed to be using it faithfully at Cornerstone. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't have a sign-up sheet that I'm going to post to the website later. There's not going to be one hanging out in the foyer when we get back to church because that's that's not the intent. There are important things that need to be done around the church. There are needs that we have. But right now, I don't want you to jump to that, right? I'd rather encourage us to take the time to consider, again, that God has gifted you, and then consider how you can serve within Cornerstone in the power of the gifting that he's given you. This is a take-home test. But it's open book you can phone a friend you can ask for help the elders would be more than happy to walk through this with you other mature believers in christ would be happy to walk through this with you You there's not a simple formula that says okay i take this test i've got this spiritual gift this is how i should be serving a cornerstone it's not that simple but actually i think that is a good thing because that causes us to dig, that causes us to reflect, that causes us to pray, that causes us to know our scripture better, causes us to draw close to God and to one another. It causes us to try and to mess up and to show grace and to try again. And I think through that process, we see some beautiful things happen. And I think that, again, when we exercise our gifts in a committed way towards worship, mission, community, then we'll be successful because we'll be faithful when we're exercising those. All right, I keep talking about spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? Uh, there's one definition I think is, is helpful. And I, I found this uh, online by a, a dude named Chase Thompson and I've, I've altered it, kind of sized it a little bit. Um, it says, spiritual gifts are various supernatural capabilities given by grace to Christians by the Holy Spirit to be used to build up others and point them to Jesus. I'll read that again. Spiritual gifts are various supernatural capabilities given by grace to Christians by the Holy Spirit to be used to build up others and point them to Jesus. Now, there are uh, different listings throughout the New Testament. You'll see, you see some of the main passages there at the bottom of the screen. Uh, and this list that you see here is not exhaustive. Prophecy, teaching, exhorting, service, leading, giving, mercy, tongues, interpretations of tongues, evangelism, administration, shepherds, apostles. All of these things are important elements, and there are others that, that are important for the health of vitality of a church. A couple of quick points uh, on spiritual gifts, so I don't leave you completely uh, hanging. Um, I wanted to first one is having a talent is not the same as having a spiritual gift. Right? Public speaking uh, is not a spiritual gift. But if you're able to evangelize or if you're able to teach a congregation in a winsome, effective, supernatural way, that is a spiritual gift. Second point, spiritual gifts are not fruits of the Spirit. We're all expected to to demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We're all expected to demonstrate those. Those are not spiritual gifts. Uh, And if there's an area that I'm not gifted in, say uh, evangelism. But then I'm not absolved from evangelism. We're all expected to share the gospel. We're all expected to share the good news that we have. I just won't be a Billy Graham at it. However, if your gifting is, is something like teaching, then don't expect everyone else to be a teacher. right? Don't gift shame. Right? I can't believe you can't, you're can't. you not doing this. I can't believe you're not doing this. Right? Working in your gifting. Uh, But I will say that sometimes we don't know we're gifted in something until we try it. And what better context to try something new and different than in the context of a family of believers who loves you very much. I encourage us, let's, let's, uh, let's encourage one another when we see someone working in their spiritual gift because sometimes we don't see it ourselves. All right. As we, as we close, um, kind of sum up this passage and what we talked about today. Pray with a clear mind. Pray for each other as we strive to stay faithful in the battle. Love one another earnestly above all. Above all. Be hospitable and serve cornerstone in your spiritual gifting. I believe God has graciously given us everything we need to be successful, Holy Spirit in each other. We need to be faithful to exercise our spiritual gifts in Cornerstone, covering each other in prayer, rooted in love and with hospitable hearts. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you invite us to join you in your mission, Lord. We thank you that you have given us Cornerstone as a local context in which to, to draw close, to grow, or to challenge, uh, to expand your kingdom. We're very grateful for that. Lord, I, I thank you um, for those who uh, who are listening and able to join in this morning. And, and the fact that you uh, have given us great minds and technology that, that now enable us to stay connected through a difficult, difficult time, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us would reflect how we can love better, Lord. How we can pray more clearly and not be distracted. Lord, how we can lift each other up in prayer. Lord, that we would be hospitable to one another, Lord, deepening our community, Lord, and, and reaching out to others. Lord, and, and and how we can be faithful in the exercising of the spiritual gifts that you've blessed us with, Lord. They are blessings, and we're thankful for those. Lord, I pray that you would navigate uh, us individually, and as a family of Cornerstone, Lord, to what you want for us. We're just so thankful, Lord, that we don't have to do any more than what you've already entrusted to us. Help us to be faithful in that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Cornerstone, thank you so much for, uh, for tuning in today. Uh, and Now, uh, for a benediction, it's simply a blessing. Uh, staying with the theme of Peter, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us a very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God bless. Have a great day.